I so, so disagree oh. with normalizing and saying it's all genetics. Like I genetics, saw that. What? A, a generation ago, we mm -hmm. didn't have that amount of obesity. So you want to tell us that a complete evolution have happened over a generation? No, it's just normal food on a health magazine or a beauty magazine or any magazine. A person who weighs 400 pounds and not because the person they are, you can weigh mm -hmm. 400 pounds and be successful or whatever it is. And it's fine. You should be on the cover of the magazine, but not under the title of healthy. Right. Because that's not health. Green, tell the audience a little bit about what you do. Okay. So what I do. So in the past 16 years, I've been, uh, I'm a nutritionist. I'm also, <clears throat> I'm also, um, a health coach and a life coach and trainer, but I mainly focus on um, health and weight. That would be my two uh, main things. Um, it started as a very personal journey and background. I suffered from severe eating disorders my entire life. Mm. Um, started at a very early age. I was around 11. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and food was always like a battle for me. Uh, I was underweight. I was overweight. I tried every diet in the book. I was almost hospitalized. Um, I think like emotional eating and self-hatred was kind of my second name. Um, I always say it like I was in a prison inside my mind, inside my head. Um, mm. And I couldn't break free because a person who has this like, you know, obsession, whether it's under eating or overeating, uh, the constant dieters, there's like this obsession constantly towards food that we need to break. Um, mm. And that was one of the things that I, uh, that I struggled. And then um, in Israel, where I grew up, it's mandatory to do the army. I was recruited to the army. And after two years, like every good Israeli, I went to travel the world after I got released. And um, I traveled the Far East and for the first time in my life, a little bit more of it an adult, I actually, you know, I, I had fun. I felt that I can enjoy the moment. I can enjoy life. I can do something that is a little bit different from that perspective. Um, and then when I came back home, all the demons, all the thoughts, all of the habits of, you know, fat burners and working out like crazy and all the stupid diets came back. And I needed to make a decision whether I'm choosing, you know, myself or the disease. And I chose myself, my health, my sanity. Um, and that from their point, I went to therapy and I also decided that um, this is, it wasn't a career that I wanted to pursue, but I wanted to go learn it for myself, for my self-healing. And from my self-healing, you know, I always say that the profession chose me. I didn't choose it. Mm -hmm. Um and that's where it started. So at a very early age, I partnered with a very successful nutritionist back in Israel. We started a business. It grew really quickly at like 26. I managed like 20 nutritionists and dietitians. And oh. we developed, you know, amazing um, training programs. After that, I relocated to New York where I continued my studies. And then I... Um, Worked at Reebok Sports Club, where I managed their nutrition department. Worked for Nike for a while. And then eight years ago, I moved to LA, which is what I do today. I work for myself. I built a company. Uh, we do online weight loss. Health and weight is our thing. I published three recipe books. And luckily, I don't know, throughout the years, you probably have helped 20, 30,000 men and women around the world. Wow. I'm very passionate about it and and I love what I do and I can go on and on but that's like the shortest that I could <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah that's awesome so I saw um I think it was an interview you did and yeah. you basically talked it was like you know obviously like health and weight loss but also it, it talked about how there's like a hormone in our bodies that if you're resistant to it, it actually makes weight loss more difficult. So can you yeah. talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So we, our body is basically, uh, our body is a hormonal system. Okay. Mm. Completely. Now, mm. one of the things that we're, we're not aware of is that how much it affects our body. You know, we always talk about weight loss, you know, as a matter of calorie deficit, calories in calories out and whatever it is. 
Uh, one of the things that we forget is that our body is a very smart, sophisticated, efficient machine. Mm. Okay. And uh, we're basically hormones and we're really run by that. There's nine hormones that mainly control our weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's leptin and ghrelin and insulin uh, and cortisol and all of kind of uh, hormones. That hormone that specifically you're talking about is called leptin. So mm-hmm. leptin is basically, um, we call it the satiety hormone and ghrelin mm-hmm. is the hunger hormone. So they kind of correlate together. So how leptin works is this. Once you eat, um, the body fat in your body goes up, Mm -hmm. right? And then once your body fat goes up, the brain gets a signal, okay, that you now ate enough food, that you now feel full and satisfied, that your body fat in your body is high enough. So in case of whatever, you know, there's no food, drought, whatever it is, you know, you, ha- you have enough storage just left. Mm-hmm. So basically what you can do is A, you can now stop eating and then B, you can also start burning calories. So leptin mm-hmm. is in charge A for how fast you're going to get full and then B also in charge on your calorie burning. So it's basically in charge of your energy in the body. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the thing. Uh, now. We do know, so you would think that people with that are higher in weight, obviously they are have higher body fat, so they probably have enough leptin in their body, so they probably won't feel hungry all the time. But one of the things that we've seen in studies that the problem isn't the production of leptin is due to resistance. So mm-hmm. area in your brain doesn't absorb or understand that connection that basically right now we ate enough. So Mm. one of the things that we've seen is that people that are tend to be heavier Mm -hmm. suffer from leptin resistance. Now, on the other hand, we also have ghrelin, which is the hunger levels. And then the ghrelin comes, we can see people that like do huge gaps between meals. And I'm now not Mm -hmm. talking about intermediate fasting or keto. I'm talking about I didn't eat throughout the day and then I come home and I eat everything that comes along my way. So Mm. burning levels really go up. So hunger levels really go up and you cannot be satisfied. Mm. Uh, So that's why you keep on eating and eating. We do see that people that tend to be, you know, heavier, obese and et cetera, usually skip a lot of meals and eat more at night. Mm. And then second um, people that have done extreme diets and extreme diets, the definition is under 1200 calories a day, mm. their curling levels go so crazy up wow. that once they finish the diet and we all finish the diet, that's mm. the reason why they gain weight so rapidly. And even more than what they started off with is because they have uncontrolled hunger. Mm. Um, so it's like, it doesn't matter how much you try to trick your body. Mm-hmm. Mm, they kind of come by you in the ass if i can say that right it doesn't really Definitely. work like hmm. you need to work with that and not against it right so with leptin is it something yeah. that you can test for it you know how do people know if they're resistant to leptin it's just that they're a little overweight is that like a like indicator so the majority of the people will be probably like leptin resistant uh mm-hmm. you can check the leptin in your the amount of leptin in your body but that won't help you because again as i said mm-hmm. um so you can do some tests to check it it's not so easy like insulin resistance and you would right. say uh we do know by the way that people that are leptin resistance like you know the theory and what the studies have shown is that um eating ultra processed food can mm-hmm. cause that Lack mm-hmm. of sleep, uh, lack of proteins, and lack of resistant workouts. Now, mm-hmm. again, it's basically, Interesting. you know, if you don't sleep well, if you don't eat well, if you don't rest well, it, like it's kind of, I would say, I, I don't want to say it obvious because nothing mm-hmm. is obvious, but like we kind of know once you go against the body, that's, that's you know, that would be the side effect. Right. Uh, um, so that's a side effect. And sleep is very correlated to mm. Right. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Cause I noticed that whenever I don't get enough sleep, I start to get more 
hungry, I start to be more likely to eat out, you know, it's like, oh, dirty tacos time, you know, like that sort of thing. So, um, so yeah, that makes a lot of sense, you know, making sure your sleep levels are optimized. So that way you don't just start to get all these weird cravings. Definitely. And also another thing that happens is that once you're sleep deprived, your ghrelin levels goes up. That's mm. one of the side effects. So it's kind of like, it always has an explanation physically. Right. Uh, we just don't always know how to pinpoint it. And also mm. because we're tired, we're also looking for, you know, available energy because mm. we feel fatigued as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, especially, and that could be why, like, you know, you hear about like new dad or new mom weight. You know, like um, whenever they have a new kids, they don't get enough sleep. Like uh, I have a seven month year old and she's, uh, you know, she keeps me up at night sometimes. So reduces the amount of sleep. So I really have to have that willpower, you know, to make sure I don't uh, go into eating like crazy. Definitely. I feel you. I also have little ones at home, so I can definitely relate and understand. And I remember that time. Right. A long time ago uh so yeah it does goes by but yeah definitely i would say increase protein on those days increase mm -hmm. complex carbs increase fruits and vegetables make sure you drink enough water mm -hmm. uh, and you know rest whenever you can and yes it's temporary it goes away but yeah definitely our body needs sleep another thing that for women because we give birth so one of the things is that our body like hormonally support the woman's body to be able to be more sleep deprived hmm. interesting not to say yeah. that that should give a green light to say you know just <laughs> needs to wake up right. but what I'm saying it's like there's something and you know biologically in nature you know mm -hmm. like the the men's body isn't prepared for a kid just right. because you know it's not like um, you don't give birth. So it's, it's, it's one of the things is that what happens is, is through that, but definitely lack of sleep. And then again, lack of sleep, being overweight causes sleep apnea, sleep apnea causes tiredness, that tiredness. Mm -hmm. yeah, so it's like, it's like, it's, it's an ongoing thing. Right. It's like a cycle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I'm sure you've seen like, um, and you know, through the statistics and also like whenever you walk around is like, you know, two thirds of Americans are obese or overweight. You know, I think it's yeah. closer to 70% now. Yeah. So societally, what, why do you think that is? You know, do you think it's because our culture, do you think it's because of the availability of all these fast foods, you know, every single corner has a fast food. Do you think it's because of like Americans feeling stressed out and, you know, they, whenever people are stressed out, they tend to eat a little bit more. So why do you think as a society, Americans are overweight? First of all, I think all of the above, mm -hmm. A. Uh, B, I think there's a few things. First of all, the reason why we're overweight, never mind now the psychological and culture, is because we overeat, period. Right. It's not genetics, and I, I'm sorry, but I so, so disagree oh. with normalizing and saying it's all genetics. Like I genetics, saw that. What? A, a generation ago, we mm -hmm. didn't have that amount of obesity. So you want to tell us that a complete evolution have happened over a generation? No, it's just normalizing it. Now, I'm not saying that we do see, and that's more socially, mm -hmm. that kids that are being raised in a low social economical with parents that are overweight are more likely to be overweight themselves. But that's cultural, behavioral, and habits and education. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. It's not their genetics. Yeah. Because back in the 80s, the obesity numbers were so low. Mm -hmm. So what happened? First of all, if you think if we go back, so it started years ago. So if we're going really back, like I don't know, 70 something years ago, 75, World War II. So 80 years ago it started um or vietnam or whatever it is you know back in the days mm -hmm. the men were deployed they were overseas and then the women were raising the kids at home and then the women needed to go work you know because the person who was you know in charge of the financial situation at the house was deployed um so a very smart way of the food companies to market their way around mm. is they market it and to say food processed food or not processed sorry junk food or fast food that's how mm -hmm. they call it gives women freedom 
-hmm. instead of you now sitting down and cooking at home and making everything from scratch we gave you the solution so you can go work and make mm -hmm. money so first of all they really created us as a positive they gave a solution mm -hmm. when you're talking about marketing one-on-one -on -one, you need mm -hmm. to present a problem and then you need to give them the solution right and the problem was there and they gave them the perfect solution so first of all, it's been going on for much longer time than we thought of it. Mm -hmm. That's number one. And then in the culture of Americans, uh, cooking wasn't and isn't a thing. Mm. I think it's one of the cultures that cook the least. Like I can mm. say I come from a Middle Eastern culture. Mm. We cook. In right. Asia, they cook. In the Far East, they cook. In mm -hmm. South America, they cook. Never mind each area has their own culture of cooking, but right. home-cooked meals is something in Europe, you know? It's a part mm -hmm. of the culture. Right. Um, America is not. Mm -mm. Not, not at all. Uh, that's number one. So you turn into food outside. Now, what mm -hmm. happened in the, past, in the last 30, 40 years? The food industries and the industries and technology have improved itself completely we've seen it like i didn't mm -hmm. grow up with a cell phone and a laptop and a smart apple watch you know like mm -hmm. i don't need to tell you like 15 years ago life were different so like we've seen the differences also the food has changed mm -hmm. and the food and engineering and the food scientists and the preservatives and the thickeners and the gums you know the gower gum mm -hmm. and all of those things those also interfere with our hormonal system Mm. Those also interfere with our brain. Those also cause so many things that our body doesn't recognize. Mm. And it's like a domino effect. It's like we keep on going and going and going. When this happens and then this happens and then this happens, that one. Mm. Two, food is available everywhere. It's easy. Mm. Processed food tastes so good. It's addictive. Mm -hmm. uh you consume probably between a thousand to two thousand calories extra a day once you consume processed food wow. major mm -hmm. we move less and we've now started normalizing obesity right and i'm not saying body positivity mm -hmm. and i'm not saying to go against you know the heroin chic or size zero which i agree 100 especially for someone who comes you know, mm -hmm. from, you know, eating disorders. And I grew up in the fashion industry. So I completely agree with, you know, normalizing the beauty idol mm -hmm. and normalizing now it's social media. Back in the days, it was beauty magazines. Mm -hmm. So I agree with that. Not everyone looked like a Victoria's Secret model. Um, and even then they work for it and they don't look like that year round and it's completely fine. Right. But to say or to put on a health magazine or beauty magazine or any magazine, a person who weighs 400 pounds and not because the person they are, you can weigh mm -hmm. 400 pounds and be successful or whatever it is. And it's fine. You should be on the cover of the magazine, but not under the title of healthy. Right. Because that's not healthy. Mm -hmm. You can say whatever X is da, 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 a famous, successful scientist, musician, artist, singer, whatever performing. Great. Mm -hmm. They're known for their talent, for their profession. Mm -hmm. Don't sell to the people that they eat healthy, work out, and it's their genetics. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I it's think- kind of the, harsh, I know, but that's the truth. It's not harsh. And I think that, you know, I, uh, I think, what was it? The 60 minute interview um, where I think one of the heads of health, you know, for the government went out and said that gen um, health and like obesity is genetic. I think that's a huge disservice, you know, because like you said, a lot of it's environmental You know, the people that were born into households with obese parents, you know, they passed down lessons and they didn't really pass down you know, the right habits to get that, you know, child to be healthy. Um, so I think, I think you're totally right about that. And then also the availability, you know, especially now with DoorDash and we have like Uber Eats, you can easily go and get, you know, food, unhealthy Everywhere. food so quickly. It's all accessible. It's mm -hmm. all easy. There's no need to work hard. And then 
then it's like you eat whatever you want you don't move and then they say oh it's genetics okay so i'm fine mm-hmm. it's like right. they are like something with thrive like thriving for not not even being great just being better like mm-hmm. you know like and i'm and i'm not saying like never mind how you look but what do you think that happens in your body when you have that weight like you're arteries are clogged your cholesterol is up the roof you are for sure diabetic or have insulin resistance you're like a, you know you're you're it's not an if something will happen it's it's when mm-hmm. you know right so it's like a clicking bomb because something will happen like the body and we see it listen we also see now i know 50 50 percent of america more than 150 60 80 whatever million people are diabetic or pre-diabetic mm. wow. so we're talking, yeah crazy pretty crazy like, 50%. crazy 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 mm. so it's like it used to be five percent diabetic then it's 10 now it's closer to 20 and then the rest are pre-diabetic mm. no pre-diabetic if you're not changing your lifestyle between two to five ten years you're going to get diabetes depends where you at right like there's measurements like how how insulin resistance are you and mm. how abusive you are in your body now it's treatable and curable in the beginning parts, you know, like you mm-hmm. can switch it if you'll, um, you have insulin resistance and you're not going to change your lifestyle. You're going to change your diet. You're going to change your activity. You're going to improve your sleep. Yes. Uh, and we're now talking about by 2050 that about 30 to 40% of the population will have diabetes already. And we're now, by the way, seeing kids that are 12, 13, 14 that have type two diabetes. Wow. Never in the history of the literature, we had that. Mm-hmm. We had type one diabetes. Yes. Type two, never. Our pancreas right. is more is meant to last more than 13 years. Mm-hmm. But we abuse food. We abuse our body. Right. We normalize it by justifying it. And I'm all about the positivity, not about getting sick. Right. So if you were in charge, right, let's say, Kareen, you are the president of um, you know, making sure that our society is healthy. What would you do, you know, to start getting people back in shape, to get people to not be obese anymore, to bring the diabetes down, you know, to make people healthy again? It's a, <clears throat> it's a great question. Um, I, I think first of all, you know, I, the first thing that I would do and one of my belief is to, to educate people, you know, to bring them to awareness. That's number one. Number two, I think it needs to be more accessible and I think it needs to be simplified. Okay. Because one of the things is that today, you know, there's two things. First, the comprehension of healthy foods in most people's idea is expensive. It's unaffordable. Mm. It's for the rich and famous or whatever it is, the people that are comfortably, Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second thing it would be to, sh- to show how simple it is now another thing that I want to tell you um, is that the diet industries are a big part of the obesity hmm. they are major players in this uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if and I don't know I really don't know because I've never researched that um, if some of the biggest food companies or industries are also the biggest ones behind some of the biggest diets, mm. um, you know, like they have that, um, forgot the name, the pandemic, the, the pandemic that they had with the drugs, the opiates, you know, the opiates mm. mm-hmm. and they had it. And you know, that the pharmaceutical companies that were manufacturing that were also right. the ones building their rehabilitation centers you know they were like in both sides of the equation they were creating the addiction and then they were treating the addiction so they were making money on both sides now it's kind of funny i'm a dietitianist i'm a nutritionist i'm saying that diets are the reason for obesity like Mm -hmm. hmm. so i'll explain so i said what i said at the beginning when we're going back into the culture but we also seen that back in the 70s the 80s there were obesity were much lower Yes, the food industries were different. Everything was different, but also diets were not as trendy. What do the diets do? They create the constant dieter method. Mm. They create really strong um, 
impossible food rules, okay? And then basically what they do is that they make people believe that only if you do X, Y, Z to very extreme measures, eat 500 calories a day, starve yourself, I don't know, drink a green shake and a chicken mm-hmm. breast all day long, only then you would be able to lose weight and succeed. No one does it. No one can succeed with it for long-term. Everyone can do it for short-term. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is that the diet ends. Mm-hmm. The person feels like a failure. Even if they succeeded to lose weight, they usually gain all the weight back. Right. So, and then they give up and then their motivation deteriorates and then, da, 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 and then either they gave up and they gain a lot of weight or they're searching for the next trend. Mm-hmm. Um. And the diet industries, I think, is one of the three biggest industries in America. Wow. It's huge. Crazy. It's growing every year by between 10 to 20%. Jeez. Yes. So the diet industries teaches you diets, but no one teaches you lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Lifestyle isn't instant. Lifestyle is a journey. Lifestyle mm-hmm. is balance. And we now glorify extremeness mm-hmm. in everything. Right. We see it also on social media, the people that are very, you know, upfront or people that are very extreme or people that are very controversial Mm -hmm. in every aspect, in all, you know, things, they are in the forefront. Um, Because that's because we became this like divide and conquer and fighting over and all of those things. Mm -hmm. And the same with the diets. Now we see the omeprazole and sixenda like the the diet shots like you know the, mm. the obesity uh mm. diabetes the diabetes one mm. uh, which again it's suppressing the appetite they're going to suppress the appetite they're going to starve and then they're going to gain the weight back and it's 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 a very known cycle um so the re-education is so heavy so one of the things that i see with my clients so the people that come to me that are more clueless from the diet industries. Like if a person now comes to me, to my office or in one of my groups that never done a diet in his life, Mm -hmm. diet, I mean, weight loss diet, okay? Mm -hmm. Clueless has some sort of like, it's okay, whether it comes for weight loss or for health, but like, he now wants to. So I'm explaining to him, I'm educating him, I'm building him a plan and we're good to go. He's starting, of course, there's struggles, there are difficulties in whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But there's no conversation, I've done this, and there's no limiting beliefs, and there's no myth, and there's no failures, and there's no misconception that she or he been hearing for so many years. Mm-hmm. Now, I see a client that this is their 20th diet, mm. whether they locked their jars, or whether they took the shots, or whether they took foot suppressors, or whether they've done keto and ACG, whatever, any kind of diet. I now have a whole history a failure, successes, limiting thoughts, misconceptions, myth, and extreme things that I now need to clean up mm-hmm. before I can even go and work with them. Right. Mm-hmm. So those shortcuts are very pricey. Right. Um, and people don't get it. And they're not educated about it. So what we push, we push diets. What mm-hmm. do we push? We push band-aids. What do we push? We push medication. And everyone are looking for the shorter like mm. thing. And then again, if you would make fruits and vegetables available, right. if you would, instead of having fast food that is fried chicken, you would put a chicken breast, even in a bun. And mm. instead of fried fries, you would even put rice, you know, like don't even go and just sell a salad, just, mm-hmm. you know, just improve it. Instead of selling soda, just sell sparkling water, you know, right. instead of sending, you know, selling 80 ounces whatever crazy you know sizes they sell sell small ones um don't make it so accessible um so it's it's everything like it's the habits it's the education it's the understanding it's like it's a whole cycle that we need to do and it needs to start in schools mm-hmm. it needs to start. like they need to have education on nutrition on healthy lifestyle from day one right mm-hmm. and not what they do now yeah this is a joke Mm -hmm. and hot lunches in school it's a disaster it's a Mm -hmm. disaster yeah 
Yeah, it's it's um there's so many different problems that are creating this and we have to kind of tackle each problem. Yeah. You know, and there's, you know, like you said there's profit motive, you know, like a lot of the companies they want to sell their product, you know, especially to the kids at school and make that, you know, kind of like something that they're used to so that way they eat it later on in life. You know, so it's definitely a huge huge problem. Now, one thing you mentioned was limiting beliefs. So yeah. I hear that a lot, you know, actually like a lot of people they are like, I've tried every single diet and none of them work for me. So can you talk a little bit more about like limiting beliefs and, you know, working with those types of people? Like how do you usually get them to change their mind, you know, and remove that limiting belief? So limiting beliefs is one of the things that I think we all suffer from, right? We're conditioned to think like the, the, the the best you know, way for me to explain to someone what is a limiting belief, I can say, let's go back to the times of the circus, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then let's take a baby elephant. Um, and then when the elephant is born, it's born huge, but it's still a baby elephant. And then mm-hmm. they put like a little handcuff, you know, around his ankle. Um, and every time he's tried to push it, he cannot because he's stuck, because it's strong enough to contain him because he's small enough. So the first time he's trying to push or pull, he cannot. The second time he cannot. The third time he realizes, And then of course, he also gets some sort of a thing like in front of the person, in front of the human being, in front of his boss, trainer, whatever, like alpha person. That if he moves or he doesn't obey, it's terrible. Yeah, that like mm. abuse, but that's a different conversation. But basically what he learns that if he doesn't listen to his master, Mm-hmm. Something will happen and he's not strong enough to move whatever a year or two later. I don't know when elephants are fully grown. They can kill a human being by just, you know, slapping them. It's like easy mm-hmm. for them. But what happened? He's conditioned and he mm-hmm. learned that he was a baby mm-hmm. that the master is stronger that he's weak, that he cannot move because he was tied when he was a babe. That's a limiting belief. Mm-hmm. It's what he believes that stops him from basically doing what he wants. When in reality, maybe if you now see an elephant in nature, he would be like, hmm, what is this? He's stronger. He can throw the human. The master doesn't, you know, rule him. He doesn't obey to him, but he doesn't see it because there's only a few, you know, elephants, one or two in the circus and the other ones are also trained. So it's the same in here. So the limiting beliefs is something that we all grow with, you know, mm-hmm. um, whether as women uh, are physically not as strong as men, which is true and not true. But again, we go into that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whether is it like I grew up in a family that is successful, I believe that I'm successful. I grew up in a family mm. that told me that I'm a failure, that I cannot do, that I cannot accomplish. Then my beliefs will be that I'm always a failure, that I cannot accomplish. So it's like it goes back and back. And, and we, we, we are completely limiting beliefs mm. of everything. Some of us break those limiting beliefs, but again, to a certain extent. So when we meet the world of diets or weight loss, we have limiting beliefs, whether it's too hard, whether I'm a victim, whether I need to sacrifice, whether I need to give up and whether I'm not able to do that because I've done it in the past and I failed. So why would I make such a big effort? Mm. So there's something that holds us back all the time. And also society in general, doesn't encourage a person, you know, like you go out to a restaurant, I'm not saying everyone, but I'm saying in general, and it's like you you decide to skip the dessert and the bread, which you're all in, you know, allowed to, oh, really? You're on a diet, you're not eating the dessert, mm. you're not eating the bread. Oh, I feel so sorry for you. We're like, we're like encouraging bad eating instead of like congratulating healthy eating. Yeah. So, it's a well-rounded thing. And then again, every diet that you've done, um, you create an, another limiting belief. Every something extreme that you went to, you believe that that's the only way to lose weight. Right. So if my belief is 
when I want to lose weight, I need to give up on everything that I like to eat. I need to suffer. I need to be a victim. I need to be hungry. Then by default, our conscious and subconscious doesn't want to suffer, doesn't want to be hungry, doesn't mm-hmm. want to be a victim, doesn't want to be miserable. So we choose not. Mm. Interesting. So you bring it to their awareness, right? The yeah. limiting belief. Yeah. Is there another step? I mean, after you bring it to the awareness, are they like all of a sudden no more limiting beliefs or like what else do they have to do to like unshackle that? So then we start breaking them down slowly and slowly, you know, Mm. what are the limiting beliefs? Mm. And differently, maybe because you chose extreme diets that are black and white, like I'm perfect. I'm just eating chicken breast and lettuce and that, that, that. And then you want to eat like a tray of pizza and (laughs) cookies because you're starving mm-hmm. and the truth lays in that maybe have a salad with one slice of pizza or maybe have a cookie a day and not seven a day you know mm-hmm. it's like again that all are white black or white all or nothing mm-hmm. another thing people that are constant dieters also have habits they're a slave to the scale if the scale doesn't show them the result they break mm-hmm. uh, if they don't see a result after a week they break and then i say okay like everything that you do after a week you achieve success like what is it in your life that you've done for one week and you achieved great success? Probably right. not, mm-hmm. nothing. Maybe you started seeing something, but it's like at the beginning, but no, when it comes to weight loss, I ate now healthier or I stopped drinking soda. It mm-hmm. means I deserve to now lose weight. If I haven't lost weight effort, I'm just doing whatever I want to do. Um, so there's a lot of things that I need to peel, like stop blaming others, start taking mm. responsibility seeing where you at reflection are we measuring the result are we measuring the journey mm-hmm. are you just telling me that the scale is the only way of success measure of success or is it that you're feeling better looking better sharper sleeping better eating healthy giving your body what it needs like what's the measure for you how do you measure your success mm-hmm. um so it's, it's a lot. Um, and you kind of see the same behaviors repeating themselves over and over again for the majority mm. of people. Interesting. But we kind of made, we're kind of making weight loss with the years like an impossible mission, mm. which shouldn't be. And it starts in an early age if we would start without introducing junk food and fast food at such an early age, if we wouldn't, you know, give our kids sugar seven times a day and don't be mistaken i give my kids sugar and i have processed food in the house yeah i'm not like right. like my my kids go to preschool like you know mm. like, you know they're not they, we cannot also go the extreme way because once mm. you deprive completely they'll go and you know eat everything that comes along the way so it needs right. to be balanced but when i'm seeing a two-year-old with a can of soda mm. it, it's for me and I'm never going to say anything and I'm never going to judge anyone. I feel sorry for the kid because I know how addictive it is. Right. I know sugar causes them. Um, and I know how hard it is to then change your habits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the education needs to start at a very early age. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because yesterday I had a conversation with a, you know, a sales coach Yeah, and he, and I asked him, you know, what's, what are you doing when you're coaching someone? Yeah. And he said almost the exact same thing. First, I got to work with their mental, you know, like they had the, this sort of misconception and limiting beliefs around sales and yeah. how they'll never be a great salesman or they feel, you know, uncomfortable doing sales or, or all these things. And it seems like here now I'm talking to you as um, a health coach. And the first thing you do is work with people's limiting beliefs, you know? So it kind of shows you the power of your your mind. Everything, 100%. If I can tell you, and again, listen, some health coaches, nutritionists, dietitians, they only work on nutrition. Mm -hmm. Um, After 16 years in the field, and really, I can't even tell you how many clients, you kind of realize that nutrition is a very small part of it. Mm. for me it needs to be nutrition education and coaching right um one cannot work without the other because sometimes you i know how to do everything you know but you don't do 
Mm -hmm. Or, you know, and you don't really know because you're not really informed and educated. You have limiting, you have myth and all kind of other, you know, crazy diets and fad diets that you've done in the past. And then lastly, it's all in your mindset. Mm -hmm. So how do you take them from point A to B or A to Z without them having a winner mindset or actually believing that they can? And the same with sales, because sales Mm -hmm. is energy, your drive, Mm -hmm. your like, there's no difference. Right. That yesterday you sold 10 and today you sold zero. The only difference is your fear. Like Mm -hmm. you excelled yesterday. You now come with high expectations that you might fail. Mm -hmm. So you give yourself excuses, which all excuses are right and legit. Mm -hmm. And the same with weight loss. It's the Mm -hmm. story that we tell to Mm ourselves that stops us from succeeding. Mm -hmm. Now, Let's say that the majority of the world understands that fast food and soda most likely is not going to help them lose weight or become healthier, mm-hmm. but they still do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like you're a psychologist first, you know, yeah. or you're a therapist first. <laughs> yeah. Because again, it's like, it's the food, it's like the meal plans. Okay. Right. So I get it, but it's like, and again, it makes my, my job harder. Mm-hmm. It makes my job more, um, I don't want to say complicated, but like it makes my job uh, not as simple because mm-hmm. I don't just tell you, oh, this is calories in, this is calories out, right. four grams, this is nine grams, da, 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 and then you go. But again, because I truly want their success and I believe that a true change cannot happen if you don't develop those set of skills. And again, it's not for everyone, mm-hmm. you know, right. but I think it's, it's the biggest, it's the biggest gift you can give to yourself if you do that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you mentioned about, you know, not calling a diet, you know, creating a lifestyle for yourself. Um, so what have you found to be like the most useful for people to lose weight? You know, like, like, should everybody have the same lifestyle? Is every lifestyle going to be different? You know, tell me about the variability whenever you help someone create a lifestyle. So I think, yes, it changes and it varies. I think that the base of everyone is eating real whole foods. Mm. I don't think anyone can say that it's negative. Right. Um, some will say eat more meat, some eat less meat, some say vegan, some don't eat spinach and all that. All that. no one can say that ultra processed food has any advantages of eating raw foods so that would be the base for everyone um cutting back on processed food especially ultra processed food um so it's like there's natural food which is like tomatoes and there's processed food like tomato paste Mm. so like the tomato turned into tomato paste and it's now have five six ingredients and then the tomato paste turned into a frozen dinosaur pizza with 26 ingredients that can last in the refrigerator for three years. Right. That's ultra processed food. Mm-hmm. Ultra processed food interferes with your hunger levels, with your leptin, with your girly, with your satiety level. Uh, it's The food is so much tastier, so you eat more. Mm-hmm. Um, it interferes with everything in your body. Ultra processed food is one of the biggest problems that we have and that we see today. So my one, my first thing would be Number two, routine. Um, we've seen whether it's in studies or whether it's in blue zones, which is the five areas in the world of the healthiest people, mm-hmm. that the routine is more critical than their food choices. Mm. And every person I promised you that you're going to talk to and is in a normal weight, you're going to talk to them and they have some sort of routine set up. Mm-hmm. didn't reinvent the wheel they're not doing anything crazy they probably have a good structure and routine they mm-hmm. eat breakfast they eat lunch they eat late breakfast and the meal whatever it is they have some sort of structure mm-hmm. uh, and you can see that you can see that let's say with the japanese people that they have it really set you know something even go to china mm-hmm. china in the areas where the Western diet isn't thriving. They're all in a great shape. Mm-hmm. And where McDonald's and Taco Bell's took over, you've seen the numbers are rising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, having routine is so powerful. I mean, I remember that 
you know, in college, I found something that really worked for me, which is intermittent fasting. Right. Fast for, you know, 16 hours and then eat within eight hours. And I found that to be really useful for myself, you know, and so I've been doing it since, you know, probably close to seven years now. Um, and it's a routine that I just, you know, I eat between this time and this time, and it makes me happy. You know, I am in good shape. And so having a routine is so, so crucial. And then, you know, definitely switching my foods from whole foods, I mean, from ultra processed foods to also whole foods has been really uh, beneficial for me as well. Because I remember when I was a kid, my parents came from Vietnam and okay. in Vietnam, um, you know, they grew up with very little food, right? And so yeah. when they came over here, they didn't want that struggle for me and my uh, siblings. So they kind of went the other extreme, like just give them any food, you know? <laughs> and so a lot of those foods would be from like McDonald's, you know, in and out like Taco Bell, Little Caesar. And so, and so that's kind of like what I grew up with. And it definitely took a lot of rewinding my, um, sort of my habits to build a healthier lifestyle for sure. No, definitely. So definitely 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 as we talked about the habits and conditions so we not we, we know that listen it's like uh, you're saying like your you know your parents had a little bit less or whatever people that come from poverty we have it as the jewish people that people that went through the holocaust you know so it's like you know the ashkenazi jewish uh we're now celebrating the hol- celebrating and symbolizing the holocaust day um so you hear the conversation of the second generation or third generation say we were never allowed to throw food uh we were always very minimalist we always you know recycled out of everything um because they grew up with less so i get it but we're not in the same place anymore today we have too much Mm -hmm. today our children is the first generation in modern history that is expected to live a shortened life than their parents. Mm-hmm. And it's because of our diets. Mm-hmm. So, and then again, it's also the conversation. You want to live. What's the quality of life that you're looking for? Is your quality of life being tired, fatigued, feeling bloated, not feeling good, waking up in the morning, feeling dizzy, you know, you know, couldn't catch your breath when you go up the stairs or you want to be healthy, energized, sharp, we know that, you know, your immune system, 70% of it is in your gut bacteria. Mm-hmm. Uh, people that tend for anxiety and depression, like half of the world suffers from, from anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's also correlated to your diet. Of course, it's also correlated to social media and a lot of other aspects. Yeah, it's not just mm-hmm. that. But to think, you know, that the one thing we do from the day we're born three times a day, never mind we're now infants, but from that point where we're eating three, four times a day, once a day, t- twice a day, for the rest of our lives to think that that doesn't have an effect on our body, it's kind of not understanding the things as they are. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the constant thing. This, um, this impacts everything mm-hmm. from your mindset, motivation, your health, your immune system, um, and that's up to us. 50% is our genetics, but 50% is what we do. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot. Right. So, you know, you mentioned motivation and a lot of people that are listening are kind of like either like business people, you know, they're in, in they're an entrepreneur, um, or they're kind of like getting started in their career. And so motivation is huge. Um, so how, what kind of role does food play with like motivation, you know, energy levels, you know, and that sort of thing? So I think, first of all, motivation is always very overrated. And I think Mm -hmm. the habits are the ones to, you know, be the biggest thing is -hmm. because motivation is maybe what gets you started, but habits is what makes you stick to it. But we do know that people that don't eat well, that, you know, base their diet on chips and sugar and sodas and whatever it is, their motivation drops. They're more tired. Their body needs to deal with all of the toxins, with all of the sugar, with mm-hmm. all of the things. They're less sharp. Their brain is less. You have more brain fatigue. Um, so definitely um, health is also correlated to success. 
So then comes two options, either option number one, when I'll be successful, I'll have more time and then I'll take care of my health. I'm too busy building my life. And then it's like, okay, you're ruining your body on the way. Um, or the other understanding that through being healthy and a healthy body comes a healthy mind and you're sharper, you're brighter, you have more energy. And again, I don't believe in being perfect or being extreme and I eat almost everything. Um, but the 80-20 rule is something that almost everyone can take upon themselves. And mm -hmm. I think that's something that everyone needs to be aware of because like some people think like, okay, you need to wake up at 4 a.m. and then you need to practice the 5 a.m. club and then you need to do meditation, mm -hmm. go for a run in the mountains and come back and have a green juice. Great. It's not for everyone. Mm -hmm. Probably not for almost anyone. <laughs> right. And not to say, I've done it in the past. I know that mm -hmm. lifestyle. But the majority of the people cannot keep up with that. Right. So you need to find them a routine that works for them, mm -hmm. that they can stick to. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's so funny. I um, I tried all those things as well. You know, I remember waking up at like 3.30 in the morning, you know, and then after 3.30, I would jump into meditation. I just fall asleep in my meditation. <laughs> You know, and so I started to learn, hmm, you know, let's create a routine that's more uh, realistic for myself and something that exactly. I would actually adhere to, you know. Exactly. <laughs> well, if waking up at 5.30 or 6.30 is a routine you can keep up with, then you keep up with that. Like no one said there's a golden number at five. Some people, you know, like that mm -hmm. routine that works for them, but some people wake up at five and then by 7 p.m. they crash and then it's like whatever. So it's each person to his own. I don't agree there's only one face for success or one mm -hmm. face for this. There's, we're different people. We need different things at different times. We call it um, uh, um, like to be flexible in your mm -hmm. mindset. And right. it's also the same when it comes to weight loss, like a very un, you know, unset or limiting beliefs or whatever it is it's like it's black or white all or nothing like I've ruined my diet I'm a failure I'm not a success da, da, da. and a flexible dieter or a flexible person would say okay so today a little bit more it's fine I had fun tomorrow we go back on track mm -hmm. um, people that have that skill set of being flexible with themselves and not feeling guilty all the time feeling ashamed all the time have an easier time to get back on track and not to get stuck on unimportant stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and again, it's something that we need to acquire, you know, that we need to learn. Right. Absolutely. So earlier you mentioned like you help men and women. And, you know, one thing I've learned is that, you know, the male body is very different than the female body, especially with health, you know, like, for example, women uh, retain more fat than men, yeah. you know, and so, and, yeah. you know, men don't need as much fat than, um, uh, more fat than women to, in order to be optimized. So like, have you found a difference in, in terms of like weight loss approach for men versus women, or is it kind of pretty much the same? No, so listen, it's, it's not, it's yes and no. So like both needs to have a routine, both need to eat unprocessed right. food, both need to drink mm -hmm. water, sleep well, that doesn't change. But in overall, yes, men lose weight faster than women. Mm. Uh, you guys have a faster metabolism due to the fact that you have more muscle mass, less body fat. You're not as hormonal as women. And again, it's it's a biological difference. You know, women needs to give birth. Mm. needs that body fat. Um, that's one. Number two, women tend to have more emotional eating. Men's are more executors and doers. Women mm. tend to get into that like i'm not saying but i'm that's the the, the honesty the reality mm -hmm. uh from that perspective so yes there is different approaches uh women you know tend to blame themselves a little bit more tend mm -hmm. to be a harder criticizer towards themselves men not so much men also feel more comfortable investing in themselves women like so it's, it's, it, yes, there's different, listen, we're different, like mm -hmm. men and different men and women are not the same, like not mm -hmm. how we think, not how we look, not how our metabolism work. Our brain is different completely. Mm -hmm. The women, women and men's brain are completely different from the, even when we are a fetus, it's mm -hmm. different. Mm -hmm. 
so from that like all feeds start as like a woman and then some get like this testosterone rush at a certain point and whatever it is so there's a lot of like things in that but um yes it's different cannot it's not the same it's not the same mm-hmm. not the same right absolutely yeah i totally agree with you um that the approach is going to be different and there's of course like you said a foundation that everybody needs to get right and afterwards yeah. is figuring out like what are some of the limits, you know, that you're going to face, especially for women and how can you overcome those limits? So I love that. Um, now let's talk about like men, you know, I know like uh, right now testosterone is something that's really big, you know, men want to get more energy. They want more testosterone. They want more drive. And so how can they do it naturally without like, you know, like taking injections, but more of like through either their health and their diet. Yeah, so so first of all, testosterone is now, I think, um, testosterone, if I'm not mistaken, I don't like, I haven't looked at the numbers lately, but I think what about like they say 80% mm-hmm. of the men like are now expected to have, you know, um, lower testosterone. So there's mm-hmm. a few things. So um, first of all, maintaining ideal body weight. Okay, so lowering your body weight. Mm-hmm. Um, exercise, especially working on like big muscle groups, like your legs and your glutes do increase testosterone, mm. um, sleeping well, like those are very simple stuff, but they really makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, avoiding, um, you know, uh, alcohol and tobacco as much as possible. And again, mm. not completely, but they do really, really, really lower your testosterone. Um, so that's that. And then, um, what we see from like, um, supplements, we've seen ashwagandha Mm. that help, help Mm -hmm. that. And then we see from food wise, we have legumes. So like, you know, all the beans, we have fatty fish, uh, dark leafy greens, um, avocados could help eggs could Mm. help berries, pomegranates, shellfish, um, all are like, you know, boosting testosterone stuff everything mm-hmm. i've mentioned is like just regular food you know nothing is like come from the himalaya mountains mm-hmm. that is carried mm-hmm. by the bees and by the bees into mm-hmm. the rivers and from the rivers into you know cold extracted something yada 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 oh man going back to basics yeah um, which is basically where it is but working out ashwagandha salmon mackerel sardines antioxidants diet which is always good so like the berries antioxidants are in the colors Shellfish are also healthy, leafy greens. So it's high in antioxidants. Um, All of those things really help. Mm. Mm. Yeah. 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 And I guess the more, and by the way, I'm sorry to cut you off. Mm. And I'm guessing that the testosterone has been going on for a long, long, long time. It's just Mm. now it became a conversation and it's now being tested. Mm -hmm. Before that, it was just not tested. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think I've seen the same thing as you did, which is testosterone levels are decreasing at an alarming rate in men, and um, and it's it's sad. So, you know, just kind of wrap up. You know, let's say someone is listening to this and they want to, they're inspired by you, Green, to make a change in their life. They want to get healthy. Give them a you know summarize everything in like a step by step process. What should they start with? You know, step one, step two, step three. Like, what exactly should they do right now? Step one, go into your pantries, throw half of it. Number one. Mm. Number two, change the oils in your bo- in your kitchen, in your pantry. No canola oil, you know, vegetable oil, seed oil, corn soil, whatever it is, throw it. Use avocado oil and olive oil only. Okay. Number three, try to have structured meals. If three meals a day for you are too much, have two meals a day, two meals a day. Make sure each meal contains protein, chicken, fish, meat, whatever it is, vegetables, and a complex carb. Very simple, very easy. Drink one glass of water every hour. Walk 30 minutes a day. Simple. Start with that. Like, don't one thing is that we do, we do, we get overwhelmed. It's too many things at once. It's like, I need to do this and this and this, and I need to cook all of my meals and you can eat out, whatever it is. Just keep a routine, keep a structure, start from there. Awesome. 
Great. Thank you so much, Kareen. Um, really appreciate this. I think you've probably inspired a lot of people listening once this recording comes out. Uh, where can people find you? So they can find me on uh, Instagram or TikTok or YouTube, Corinna Doni Nutrition, or on my website, corinnadoni.com. Um, would love to help to answer, you know, any questions that you have. I also put lots of information on my social media. Uh, so I'm always there, me and my team, and would love to help and answer any questions that everyone has. And thank you so much for having me. It was great. Awesome. Thank you so much, Green. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.